Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. For this episode, I've got returning guests to the podcast from the always excellent Retro Productions, who are back at the Gene Frankel Theater for their first post-pandemic show, a production of Eric Overmeyer's wonderful play, On the Verge. I'll let my guests introduce themselves. Take a listen. Um, you've both done this before, so you know what's up. Let's, uh, let's just jump into it. Welcome. Once again, this is the socially distanced era. So we're doing a distanced podcast interview, but with people whom I've had the pleasure to share a room with uh, a lot in the past couple of weeks. So welcome to the podcast. Please let me know who you are and what you did on the show. We'll, we'll have the producer slash performer go first. This is Heather Cunningham. I am the artistic director and I am in On the Verge by Eric Overmeyer. Hi, I am Sarah Thigpen, and I am the director of Retro Productions uh, on The Verge. Excellent. And uh, my name is Robert Gagno, and I am one of the designers. I'm the sound designer for On The Verge. So full disclosure right up front, I was involved in this one and uh, mm-hmm. really glad that I was. Uh, I love this play. And uh, Heather, I know that's part of why you chose the play. Obviously, hopefully a producer's not programming things they don't enjoy, but I know you and I both share kind of a history with this piece and a long-standing love for it. Could you share a little bit of that with the podcast audience? Sure. Um, my university did this production my freshman year. It was the first production of the year. I did not audition for it because I was a freshman and I thought, oh, they'll never cast a freshman. But also I did an audition because I it was the first show and I kind of wanted to like, you know, find my way around campus a little bit before I started headfirst into the theater department. Um, so I ushered. I think I was supposed to usher. Like I think I had to have certain requirements I think ushering a show might have been one of them. And I ushered a performance and I loved it so much that I went back and saw it, I don't know, two or three more times. Um, And I never really forgot the play. And every time I've had an opportunity to see a production, I've taken it. Although I admit that I don't remember all of those productions. I remember one that was in a tiny little room on like the, you know, it felt like I was going to somebody's apartment to see it. Um, and a friend of mine just reminded me recently that she and I had gone to see a production of it somewhere, maybe in, possibly in Philadelphia. I don't actually remember because we lived for a while in, in and around Philadelphia. Um, and I don't remember seeing it with her specifically, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> this is one of those plays um, that I have always crossed the street to go to see a production of um, and have always wanted to work on. And I've tried to get the rights before and couldn't. So, so. why? Why this piece? I mean, I think uh, I can give a little bit of a preamble by sharing with anyone who's not listened to uh, Retro Productions interviews on Go See a Show in the past that the Retro Productions jam is to look at older pieces, pieces that maybe are not uh, so often in contemporary repertoire and uh, bring them back for a staging in New York and, and get the attention that they deserve. I think it's really cool that not only have you done that with a piece from the 90s, right? Is when it was written, like 92? 85. 85. 80, wow, 85. It, it was written in, and first produced in 85. It was published in the year later. Um, 
but it feels so much more contemporary. Yeah, it's an it's a very unique play to start with. It's just it's just unusual. It's not the play itself, even yeah. though it is retro back to eighty five, is about retro ness, and I really like that. So, um, with that as a preamble, why why did you want Heather want to do this for retro? You know, one of the things that um, I mean, you know, the the elevator pitch of retro productions is that we do twentieth century period work, and that's that's always the the easy way to tell people what my mission statement is. But but truly, what retro is what I'm interested in with retro is looking at um, looking at the past through the lens of theater. And um, and one of the things that this play does so brilliantly is a writer in 1985 wrote about characters in 1888 traveling to 1955. And I just love the way the the way history seeps into this play. And sometimes it's actually inaccurate on purpose um but but often it is it is exactly accurate and i remember that one of the things that i first fell in love with in this play when i saw it as a freshman in college um was this not i don't want to give anything away but there is a reference to the great depression in one of the scenes um specifically the 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 um the stock market crash and it's very subtle and if you're paying attention, you will under, I mean, anybody who knows American history and is paying attention is going to understand it. But I remember as an 18 year old that that reference blindsided me uh, when I saw the production for the first time. And I was so enthralled by the power of that, what, two line exchange in the play. Um, and, um, and, and it was this sort of eye opening experience for me that I could, that I could have there could be a reference like that to something very real and very factual in a very fictional piece and have it all come full circle in two lines. And um, I think that's one of the things I've always loved about this play. Um, It does that very well, and it does it multiple times about different eras. Um, And I have always appreciated that. And this, this, this play truly does look at the 50s in America in a way that is that you're not going to get from a play that was written in the 50s. Um, And yes, I and I say this in the program notes, I think um, the 80s were a time of reflection in the arts. And a lot of people were looking back at the 50s um, in the 80s. And I I don't know exactly why that was, um, you know, but it was it was everywhere. You know, it was in music, it was in fashion, it was it was on the big screen. Um, we we were looking back at the '80s like crazy, um, and uh, I don't know. I just it's it feels like it feels like my era, right? Like it because because I'm a teenager of the '80s, I feel like it feels like a, a real sort of um, back to my roots scenario podcast listeners can't uh, see motion i was making but i was making that circle <laughs> because motion I talk too because much. like it all no 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 i realized after i did it that i'm like oh my god that's what heather thinks but no i'm trying to say it's a cycle it's it cyclical cycle. and it's really interesting that this play from the mid 80s is looking back 30 years before that and here we are almost 40 years after it was written looking back in a similar sort of way and i i do you know how many times have you listened to music and been like, is this a weekend song or is this an unreleased Michael Jackson jam? And it's, we're, we're doing the same sort of thing where everything is cyclical. And I think is what I was trying to get and not, not trying to say that 
wasn't the uh, the Emmys uh, playing the music over you, uh, as we saw a couple weeks <laughs> but ago. But it's, it's as one of the characters says, what goes around comes around. Exactly. So um, speaking of uh, what goes around comes around, uh, coming back around onto the retro directing chair, we have Sarah Thickpen. And Sarah, what uh, what drew you to the play? What what did you find in this? Why did you decide, other than the fact that you get to work with these fabulous people, why did you want to jump into directing this piece? Um, I actually was familiar with some of uh, Mr. Overmeyer's work, but not this particular piece. I had read it uh, some years ago um, because... Uh, it was given to me and, and told you, you've got to read this. You'll love it. It's so terrific. We always want to do it. Everyone wants to do it. It's hard to, it was hard to get it done for a long period of time because it was done so often. Um, and I, I have talked to so many people that, Oh my God, I love that play. I love that play. And I would say, when did you see it? And they're like, I haven't seen it. I only read it. And so that was also kind of an exciting thing to think that there are a lot of people that are interested in seeing this production. Um, but also because of because uh, it was written some time ago, uh, because it was written about a, a huge block of time before that, um, and knowing the mission of retro, I when Heather asked me if I was interested in directing it, I I said to her at one point, do you realize that one of the things that you've, one of the things that Retro excels at is the specificity of moment. In, in all of the productions that they do, it, it is about everything being very precise. And you have now selected a play that moves radically through time <laughs> where... Everything is a suggestion and not uh, specific or only specific in a split second. Um, so are you okay with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, it, it, to me, seemed to be a huge challenge to, to, uh, to work on a show, to, to be able to do something in person, a smaller show, um, to be able to do in person after so much time, you know, doing things online. Um, but also to, to do that with a company uh, that is known for getting it right. Um, and so it, it seemed like a, a really great opportunity to do that and to also um, flex my language muscles because you know it is such a language dense play and there's so many and there's so many different meanings to to so many lines um it's it's music and it's poetry and it's it's in a lot of ways not different from Shakespeare not different from Stoppard you know in in the way that it the way that it uses language uh as poetry, as music, as catharsis, as, um, you know, a, a full-bodied expression of emotion, time, pain, joy. Why would I not say yes? <laughs> Amen. I'm trying to remember what exactly the 
the phrase was, and I, I'm not going to have it in front of me quickly enough, but even the playwright says this really great thing in his notes about how like this line does not equal this line, even though they were off by one word and they had the same meaning. Yes. Um, Cause he's very specific about how these words should be said because it is so, as you noted, very precise. And I love that. And I love that you brought up this idea of the imprecision of time uh, as it relates to retro, because like I, I was thinking of that and I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't, you kind of like telegraphed my next <laughs> question, which is about the theatricality of this. It's so theatrical. It's so um, does not require you to have a sheer ice wall and a beach. And uh, like, we don't even need to insinuate them in a, traditional sort of theater way, we can be even more abstract than that, which is really fun. Uh, and I say that as the person who was designing the sound and got to come in and play with that sort of stuff. Like, how do I say now we're in a jeweled jungle versus now we are um, in the tundra? So uh, I loved getting to play with that sort of stuff. And I was hoping the two of you could talk a little bit about what that's like um, in the room, like rehearsing this. You've got, I guess, just like a lot of you have a lot of room and in some, some cases that can be really kind of scary. It's like the, the, the equivalent of the blank page, right? Like it's better to have constraints. Um, so you have all this room for how to bring out the world of these three women and the, the people that they come across. What were your challenges in terms of like getting there to understanding the piece as an ensemble to present it in such a way that had clarity and focus and drive and not just, oh, this really pretty poem that we're saying the words of. Like, how did you get there? Uh, for, for me, the most, the most important part was the casting. Um, because you, you need, need people with a, a great facility for language. You need people that have specificity of character. But then on top of all that, you need someone who is enthusiastic and excited about playing and creating because so much of it starts with your imagination. We were in the room and, and it was, okay, so you're climbing this cliff face. There's not a cliff face. There's not any ropes. You're going to be imagining all of that. We're going to give you some physicality to all of that. But everyone just jumped in. You have one platform on the stage. Yeah. You have one platform on the stage and maybe we're going to put some sound and some lights over it. Go. Yeah. But even without knowing what the sound and the lights would be, there was never a moment of hesitation or um, that I saw or heard. Uh, there was never a moment of, I, I don't know if this is going to work. No one ever pushed back. Everyone was just willing to uh, was willing to play, and that was absolutely essential to making this work. And for me, it was incredibly exciting once we got into Tech Week, and I could see how much the work we had done in this room with all of these imaginary elements was supported by lights, by projections, by sound, and so. I was so excited that that when the actor stepped on stage, there would be there would be parts that they hadn't had yet that would just boost their confidence and make it even more vivid and even more 
um, theatrical because that's something else that the the playwright said. This this is a this is not realism. This is high theatricality, and so to me that translated that one of the things it translates into is that you don't have to have a million dollar set. You don't have to have all of these things in order to create this world. That it that it's created with with the team that you collect. And from the yeah, other, had, I was about to say, can we get the actor's perspective on that? Yeah. We had a lot of conversations about how much we really need to do this play. Um, it, it's a prop heavy play, but it doesn't have to be a prop heavy play. It's a costume heavy play. It kind of needs to be costume heavy, but you know, maybe it doesn't need to be costume heavy. Um, is there a set? If there is a set, what's on the set? Um, you know, and as I said, I've seen productions of this play that had all the money behind them. I mean, a university production with a pretty vibrant theater uh, department. They, you know, they had all the things they needed, including a neon sign. <laughs> um, and I have also seen this play done in what felt like somebody's living room, right? It was a little tiny room on the fifth floor of a building in Manhattan. I, I don't even remember where it was. I just remember that we sat in a circle and watched these women travel through time. And so, um, you know, we talked a lot about that. Um, and, you know, and back to the impreciseness of time and versus, versus what retro normally does, um, being slightly more, we attempt to be more precise, right? That's always the goal. But um, truly, I, I never wanted retro to just be one thing, right? That's why we do comedies and dramas, right? That's We have done plays that take place in multiple places and we've done plays that take place in one room. I never wanted retro to only be realistic theater. Um, I, you know, I always wanted us to present a broad range of theatrical experiences. The thing that they all have in common is this lens of history. So um, that was never a problem for me. It was never a question for me. Um, you know, and when I started looking at how to come back from COVID and how to do theater safely in person, um, one of the first things that hit me was I really don't want to work with, you know, more than three or four actors because that is the first way to make it safe, right? Is to keep, keep it small. Um, and so we refer to this as a small show because it's only four actors, but it's not a small show. <laughs> it's really actually a rather large show. So um, I don't know if that answered the question because now I've lost the thread of the question. It, but. I think it brings it back around to like where I wanted to, to finish. And maybe we'll just have a quick statement on this because you already started. Um, this is the first show back for Retro. Uh, we're now finally sort of getting back to quasi-normalcy, although we just found out yesterday uh, Broadway stalwart uh, Phantom is about to close. So like the, the theater landscape is changing and indie theater is uh, no exception. So Absolutely. what does this mean? Um, you know, we, it was really, it felt amazing for me personally to be back in a room making stuff. Like I'm in the Gene Frankel, I'm like doing, I'm working with people that I know and I love and I appreciate the, the artistry of it felt like uh, in a way a homecoming um, after two years of being stuck making distance theater or even just like other things that I'd gotten to do didn't ha quite have the same feeling of, oh, this is like, we're, we're doing the thing again. It felt yeah. like it felt they felt like tepid steps where this felt more like a foray back to the world, um, uh, like we're on the verge of normalcy. So what 
what was that like for you? Did you have the same experience? And uh, we did have some COVID restrictions. So uh, what was that balance for y'all? We definitely worked. We had a COVID officer. You know, it's an it's an equity showcase. So we had a COVID safety officer and we had to follow, you know, all the protocols. I'll be testing today. We test three times a week. We are asking audiences to remain masked in the theater. And we've gotten pushback on that. And I understand that people are tired of wearing masks, but um, in our in our production, in our case, um, it's really important because we are not a Broadway-sized theater. We are a very small theater. At the best, we can get 50 seats in this theater, and the audience is right on top of the actors. And um, there there is not a lot of space, and there are no understudies. So if one of us gets sick, the production closes. That's it. End of story. And so that is the reason we have a mask mandate for our audiences. Uh, and I've gotten pushback on that. And I have said, I'm sorry, you won't be attending. I've also gotten emails from people who say, oh, I really wish I could see this, but I cannot do anything indoors right now. I will not go anywhere because I have my own health issues. I have my own things that I'm, you know, very, being very careful around. And I have to respect that. I, I do, I do respect it and understand it. Um, and I wish, I wish everybody could be comfortable and come back and be safe but I also know that people can't be safe and comfortable sometimes. That is just a fact of this place we find ourselves. And, um, and truthfully, everything was harder this time around. Everything about producing this show was difficult. Um, it was hard to raise the money. It's hard to, you know, to get a COVID officer. It's hard to get the tests we needed. It was hard. It was hard to do all of it. And it's even harder to get people to come. It's, you know, when we, our last show, we had two or three sold out performances and we have not had big crowds on this show. And it's partially because, as I said before, people don't want to come because they have to wear a mask. People don't want to come because they're afraid of catching COVID. It is hard. It's difficult. And I feel terrible that I'm not doing a better job of getting people into the theater because it's, I think it's a wonderful production and I wish everybody could see it. Um, But I will also say that I, I'm getting older and I'm getting more tired. I'm more exhausted on this show than I've ever been in my life for anything. Um, and when I chose this play, I remember thinking to myself, if this is the last play Retro ever does, I am going to be really happy about that because I love this play. So, you know, if it, if it turns out that, um, that this was too hard and too exhausting and I can't do it anymore, I think this is the perfect play to end on. Because I love what it says about America, what it says about our history, and I love the piece itself. The language is beautiful. Amen to that. I am only speaking for myself in a selfish, uh, in a selfish way here, but uh, I hope it's not the last retro show. But I agree with you that if it is, it is one hell of a send off. And I'm really happy that I got to be a part of it as well. Uh, It's uh, if, again, I have a biased view of the production, full editorial uh, honesty here, but it's pretty good, folks. Uh, Go see this one. It's really fun. Uh, The show is On the Verge. We are at the Gene Frankel Theater through September 24th. Yes. Awesome. Okay. I didn't get it wrong. Uh, September 24th, uh, tickets and more information can be found at retroproductions.org. Did I get it right? <laughs> yes. Amazing. Um, um, 
you know, I'm usually like just leaving space for people to do it when I uh, do this, but it's really hard to do that via Zoom. So I was like making sure I'd, I'd drill it into my head and I wasn't going to screw it up. Um, thank you both so much for uh, inviting me in to play with you on this particular show and uh, for taking the time to uh, out of your Saturday morning to chat about this so we can get some, <laughs> uh, get some podcast action out and uh, hopefully folks can catch the last weekend of the show. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Robert. It's been terrific. And don't uh, don't let his modesty fool you. His work on this show is incredible. You have to come listen. Aww. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we love you, Robert. Oh, you're too yes, sweet. Yes, we do. <laughs> we love you, Robert. What? You know it's is true. this all of a sudden bye-bye, Birdie? What's going on here? Um, well, we're in the 50s, <laughs> we right? Let's call it right back to the 50s. Uh, more 50s nostalgia. Excellent stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Heather and Sarah, for taking the time out of your weekend to Zoom with me to chat and, of course, for recording your own audio for me. You've got one more weekend to catch On the Verge at the Gene Frankel Theater, 24 Bond Street in Manhattan. The show runs through Saturday, September 24th, 2022. Head to retroproductions.org for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagneau. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagneau, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Um, awesome. Bye. Thank you for doing this. Uh, glad we can make it work.